0: We're looking, though, uh, at the whole uh, value of peace. What does it mean for us to be a culture of peace in a very busy, stressed-out, anxious world? And um, last week I yelled at you guys to have more peace. (laughs) Ironically. <laughs> Got to get my baseball. <laughs> All right, sorry, mate. We'll try our best. Um, and can I just encourage you to just be, you know, let's fight for this stuff. It's worth it. It is so worth it for what God does in your soul. What I want to look at to continue that theme this morning is what does it look like to have rhythms of peace, particularly this whole idea that God has wired us to be people that need Sabbath rest. So I want to just look at the biblical framework for why the Sabbath... And what I mean by Sabbath is, is that there's a day that's set apart for God. And in that day, we do what God calls us to do. On that, And I'm going to explain what that is today. We have a day of rest, of renewal. And I want to explore that. And I said this last week, but I want to say it again. We want to build the kingdom the king's way, not the world's way. So often we build the kingdom. And many times in my life, I've built the kingdom the world's way. Busy, stressed, overwhelmed, trying to do it all. And God's been challenging me. No, I want you to build the kingdom the king's way. And he wants us to live our lives the king's way. We're apprentices of the way of Jesus, a more beautiful way to live. The journey of our lives is that we'll be transformed from glory to glory to become more like him. The the word Sabbath literally means to cease. And the idea of Sabbath is that one day a week we stop producing And we slow down, we recharge, and we renew our souls. And it's an idea that goes back to the very beginning of Scripture and continues right throughout the narrative of Scripture. And uh, there's been so much written about it. But let's just jump into some of the Scriptures that are key to us understanding what the Sabbath is all about. In Genesis 2, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We are made in the image of a God who rests. Just think about that for a second. You are made in the image of one who would rest, who would look at all this beautiful creation and then just rest and be. And uh, it's interesting that When God looks at creation, he says, this is good. And then on that seventh day, he looks at what he has created and he says, this is holy. So that's a big deal. Uh, and The Sabbath is instituted itself in terms of uh, the the weekly rhythm in Exodus 16.23. When the Israelite nation is leaving Egypt, he says this to them. This is what the Lord commanded, tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. The story for the Israelite nation up to that point is that their whole identity was caught up in what they produced. Their whole worth was caught up in what they produced. If you make bricks for Pharaoh, you have value. If you don't make bricks, you have no value and your life is meaningless and we will probably kill you. And so for for centuries, the Israelite nation had worked seven days a week and had been whipped and had been beaten. And so their whole psyche had been shaped in such a way that said to them, your only value is in what you can produce. And then God frees them from slavery. And the first thing he says is, I want you to rest because your identity is not in what you produce, it's in whose you are. And it is the same today. Your identity is not in what you produce. It is not in what you make. That is not where your value lies. When you meet Jesus, you discover that your value is in whose you are. And therefore, work can find its proper place. Now, uh, I'm talking a lot about rest and peace at the moment. uh, But the Bible is as clear about work as it is about rest. So I'm not talking about living some unemployed, lazy, indulgent lifestyle where we do nothing. That is, that is evil as well. And We're called to work, but our issue in our culture is not doing nothing. The issue in our culture is overwork and busyness. And if you, as Shrek said, as Donkey said to Shrek, you've got to peel some onion layers back. Because what's underneath that is a drivenness. And I was talking about this last week. Often we are still living under our parents' expectations about the Protestant work ethic. And they may be long dead, but we're still living under their expectations. God wants to free us from slavery. Sometimes we're living under the expectation of a boss or a culture or a system and we say we're victims because we can't change this you know what, you aren't in control of your outside circumstances, but you are in control of how you respond to it. So you can choose not to be a victim in terms of that culture, and you can disappoint your boss, and you can disappoint our culture, and you can get free, and your soul gets restored. And this is the Lord's desire for us. It's absolute rebellion against Western culture, which bows down at the altar of productivity. The Sabbath says, don't get it done. The Sabbath is our gift of, from leaving Egypt where our worth came from, the amount of bricks we produced. And the slave master says, your worth comes from that. And if you don't predict, produce enough bricks, you, you, you're killed. You have a new identity. Not in what you do, but in whose you are. To continue to bang the Sabbath drum, uh, God then institutes it in the 10 flipping commandments. It's a big deal for God. Let's go through the Ten Commandments and let's particularly look at what he says about the Sabbath. There's a whole lot of fairly straightforward stuff that God says to Moses about the Ten Commandments. Then he has to unpack the Sabbath one a whole lot more detail than any of the other ones. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you'll labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien at your gates. For in six days the Lord, and it harks back to Genesis 2, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on that seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Can you see the narrative from Genesis 2 through to Exodus 20, where the Sabbath gets introduced? Now, Matt, do you want to bring up the Ten Commandments it's interesting on the Ten Commandments. Is that there, Matt? Oh, is that not working at all? Ah, oh, are you sure there's a picture of like this kind of brownie picture of the Ten Commandments? Not on there? All right. Yeah, sure. all right. It's interesting in the Ten Commandments because the, the Sabbath commandment, uh, so the, the first part of the commandments talk about how we relate to God. Don't have any, any other idols. Worship him and him alone. And then the last commandments, the last five commandments, talk about how we treat one another. Don't envy your neighbor. Don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. You know, all these kind of stuff that you shouldn't do. This, the hinge between how we relate to God and how we relate to others is found in the Sabbath. And there's this, again, theologians kind of wrestle with this stuff, but there's this idea that if you can't rest, it's very difficult to treat To to live honouring God's ways, it's very difficult to love other people when you're just stressed and rushed. As we said last week, it's very difficult to be present with what's in front of you if that's not there. But you know the other interesting thing I find about the Ten Commandments? Is that if a pastor or a Christian violated any of the other commandments, we would have a huge issue. Right? Now, Now, if I wandered past your room and I saw you bowing down to a little Buddha, you know, and you were one of our leaders... There would be a conversation we would need to have about where you're at. You now, if, you know, from time to time, if, uh, you know, you decide it could be a good idea to sleep with your neighbor's wife, I would have a wee issue with that if you're in leadership in our church. I would encourage, seriously discourage you not to do it. I'd encourage you to avoid that temptation. And on we go. All of the commandments would have a huge issue if people acted them out. When it comes to the Sabbath, for some reason we are culturally blind. Oh, you work seven days a week. Oh, you're doing all the stuff for the church. Oh, you're doing all the... Oh, you're so committed. Good on you. Oh, you're bleeding to keep the flag red. You know, well done. It's so good. You know, it's amazing that you... And it's like, hold on a second. No, this is broken. This is not the Ten Commandments. This is the core moral center of the Christian faith, is that this is what matters to us. Now, now, I'm not talking about some legalism here because Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven from all of that. So if you've committed adultery in the past or you've been kind of getting involved in stupid other religions or whatever, you can be forgiven. That's why we come to the table. Hallelujah. And, but we need to come to the table and, and repent for our busyness. It's weird how we can feel guilty about certain sins, but we don't feel guilty about working seven days a week. And just, anyway. Come on, come on. Oh, man, I want to take you guys everywhere, man. I want to stick you in my pocket and just preach with you guys in the front row everywhere I go. And you know, you know how firmly this is enforced? It's the death penalty if you don't. It's Exodus 31 and Exodus 35, verse 2. If you don't do this, you, you, it's an, a capital offence. Now, thankfully, the cross has redeemed us from that Levitical law. But the point is this. God takes it very seriously. God's heart here is the same. Now, I'm talking a lot about, now, it's interesting in the Bible, there's always both the carrot and the stick, okay? So there's the stick, don't do this because this is a big deal to violate this. But then why, listen, I've said this once, I'm gonna say this a thousand times, you're gonna hear it many times. Everything God calls us to is motivated by love and leads us to life. Everything, no exceptions. Everything is motivated by love and leads us to life. So with a very broken culture who were just used to generational brokenness, God had to be very firm. Eat the lollies, this I'll kill you. It's effectively what he's saying. I want you to chill out. And it's like, you know, you don't need much more encouragement. Oh, sleep, like, sweet, sweet, right, I'll chill, you know. Listen to this in Isaiah. There's so much promise around the Sabbath day. It says this in Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, that is that is us, let's be honest. If you, Lord, we have we have we have broken your Sabbath and we've done as we please on your holy day, right? But if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, then listen, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. What an amazing promise. Amazing promise. So the Jewish people took this very seriously. And they were like, okay, we've got to take this thing very seriously. So what the Jewish people then developed is what they called the Talmud. And the Talmud is the interpretation of the Levitical laws. What does it look like to follow this Uh, to to, what is it? What and then they got really into the weeds like, what is work and what's not work? And so, um, so all sorts of different rabbis would have different interpretations about what you could do on the Sabbath and at what point did you start to work and at what point did you cross a line and all that sort of thing. There were different interpretations of that, Uh, for example, some. In the Talmud, you can find this uh, work looks like carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, don't do that in the nightclub anymore, kneading, uh, combing, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, or marking, teachers. Uh, So there's all sorts of things in the Talmud where you just can't do this sort of stuff. And this particular understanding and interpretation that a rabbi had was called his yoke. And what had started as this beautiful gift had slid into legalism. And so Jesus comes along in Matthew eleven twenty eight and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Take my set of interpretations upon you and learn from me what that looks like to do. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My set of interpretations about what it looks like to outwork this is uh, easy. Mark uh, chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as the disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathur, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave them some to his companions. And then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. What he's saying here is that the Sabbath serves you, you don't serve the Sabbath. And that he's actually over this whole thing, he's the one that reigns and rules over it. So Jesus turns it completely upside down. It's not about legalism. It's not about some burdensome commandment. It's about grace and it's about life. The law still stands, but Jesus' interpretation of it takes the heart of God's intent and motive in giving that commandment. So the principle still stands. The value still stands. But God's invitation through Jesus is to a richer life through applying this to our lives. It's not a thing of legalism. Sometimes people get caught up, it's about this day or it's about this day. It's not anymore thanks to what Jesus has done. It's about serving us. So you pick the day, and we'll talk about some detail in a second, but we've got to, we've got to move out of legalism in terms of what is the point, why has God called us to, and how can we step into that? So here's four principles for what the Sabbath looks like. And again, um, I'm drawing from Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Please read this book. We're going to do this as a church, but we need to read it two or three times. So he talks about four ways that we can outwork this in our lives. Four principles of the Sabbath that we find in the scriptures. Matt, are these there? Or, or, nothing's there. Oh, um, The first is, oh, I didn't, I didn't import it. That'll be why. Okay. <laughs> Little problem. <laughs> all that work to make a slideshow and then you forget to import it. Last hurdle. Ugh. Okay, so here's the four principles of the Sabbath. The first is to stop. The Sabbath is first and foremost a day of stopping. To stop is literally, is built into the literal meaning of the Hebrew word Sabbath, to stop. And so uh, there was always one more thing we've got to do before we stop normally, right? There's that job we've just got to do before we can stop. And to Sabbath is saying, I'm stopping. And here's the thing. The Sabbath is is, um, like the future reality when the world is the way it should be, breaking into the present. So we act like our jobs are done, even though they're not. Now, interestingly, uh, for the Jewish people and in the Hebrew Scriptures, which we'll have a look about in a second, they talk about making every effort to enter into the rest of God. So for the Jewish people, when they would go to do their Sabbath, it wasn't like, you know, wake up, oh, it's Sabbath day, sweet, let's just chill. They would prepare for the Sabbath. They would make some effort to enter into that rest. And so to stop requires us to do things that help us to stop, that, uh, you know, turning off the phone or... Um, uh, or pretending that the house is finished or uh, or that, you know, your job is actually all sweet. It's all sorted. There's no staffing problems, financial problems, structural. You actually just, it's like you pretend. And again, this is why you mentally got to get strong at this. You act like the world is the way it should be and you switch that off so you can just, re- you can stop. Stop from working. You stop from doing it. It means we have to sit with to-do lists, jobs that could be done, unfinished essays and sermons and emails, and the deadlines still sit there. That's why this is an art form. This is why the Jewish people prepared for the Sabbath. And then on the eve of the Sabbath, they would invite the spirit of rest just to come, help them slow down. And so on the Sabbath, I embrace my limits. God is God. He is indispensable, and I am his creature. Listen to this by, I'm reading this amazing book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And she said this, God is the one who is infinite. I, on the other hand, must learn to live within the physical limits of time and space and the human limits of my own strength and energy. There are limits to my relational, emotional, mental and spiritual capacities. I am not God. God is the only one who can be all things to all people. God is the only one who can be in two places at once. God is the only one who never sleeps. I am not. We can't remind ourselves of this enough. It's basic stuff, but many of us live as though we don't know it. We have to embrace our limitations. And we are wired to have a day where we are replenished and we we are renewed. So the first thing is that we stop. The second principle is once we have stopped, we rest. The Sabbath calls us to rest. God rested after his work and we are to do the same. And so what do you replace all that we are now stopping during Sabbath time? What do you replace it with? And here's the answer. Whatever delights and replenishes you. How cool is that? What delights you? What replenishes you? So consider stopping from work and physical exhaustion and hurriedness and multitasking and competitiveness and worry and decision making and catching up on errands and talking and technology and machines. So we stop all of that, and then we shoot. So it's not. We, then we have a void because we've said no to that. You fill it with things that delight you, replenish you, fill your tank. Um, I was talking with my amazing. Uh, Sister, who I'm going to embarrass, I love it. We grew up with a dad who was a preacher, and these moments were like, oh no, he's going to use me as an illustration. It was our worst nightmare. So I'm going to send Rachel back to therapy. My beautiful sister's here with us this weekend. We were catching up just when she arrived. And I just think this is awesome. She's made a list of the things that replenish her. That is so wise. I encourage you to do the same. What do you love doing? And it can't be, I know some of you love your work. It can't be your work. We rest from your work. And it's, you're broken if that's the only thing that kind of gives you a buzz, man. Like seriously, you need, a, need some prayer and all sorts, man. But God wants you to find other things that you just love doing. Surfing, fishing, painting, whatever. Beautiful things. Now here's the thing. There's a big, there's a big... <laughs> I only know dude examples as well. So if the boy's are like, yeah, bro, you bro, preach and take me deeper. Um, there's a big difference between resting and doing nothing. So here's, when I, I've been wrestling, now uh, Grace said this on her page, on our page, I loved it. She, she, she said our church motto should be hypocrites, hypocrites in transition. In Bay Vineyard Church, hypocrites in transition. I love it. I think we should probably do that. Because I have been wrestling with this for over 10 years I've been taking it seriously for 10 years. And it's been a constant choice and a constant battle. There's an enemy that wants you to not read your Bible, and there's an enemy that wants to keep you busy. And those are the things, man. How tough are those two things? Like, this is a countercultural thing I'm calling you to. It's radically countercultural. And so I 10 years ago was like, how do I do this and how do I wrestle with this? And so then I was like, I'm gonna take this seriously. And so I would wake up in the morning. No, I didn't wake up. I would sleep in. All right, day off, sleep in. Uh, sweet. This husband had no children, and I was single, so it was a lot easier to do this sort of thing. So I would sleep in for like whenever. And then I'd get up and just feel hammered because I was so tired for my week. And then I was going to play PlayStation. So I'd play PlayStation for like three or four hours. And then I'd go get a pizza, and then I'd go watch a movie. And then I'd like go to bed. And I'd wake up the next day and feel worse than I did on the... And I, I do, and, and I tried this for a while, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. The, the wisdom was there's a big difference between doing nothing and resting. And so for me, I have to do something physical, and I encourage you to do the same. You've got to get your body moving to actually have a good restful day, to make the right choices, to engage, to choose the things that replenish your soul. And here's, the Holy Spirit wants to do that this morning. He wants to set your imagination alike about what this day can look like. How cool is that? He's for you, so he wants you to picture what's the most beautiful, replenishing thing you can do once a week. God commands you to do it. What is it? I'm not too sure. The third thing is to delight. So we stop, we rest, and we delight, delighting in what God has given us. The the Hebrew after finishing the work of creation, God declares it is very good. God delighted tove is the the Hebrew, he delighted in what he saw and that word communicates a sense of joy completion wonder and play and uh, that's radical in a culture, a culture that is delight deficient god wants to encourage us to do those things as i've just been saying to that that just we delight in that we just that fills our tank and the fourth component of the sabbath is to contemplate The final quality of biblical Sabbath is the contemplation of God. The Sabbath is always holy to the Lord, Exodus 31 verse 5. Pondering the love of God remains the central focus of our Sabbaths. And throughout Jewish and Christian history, Sabbath has included worship with God's people where we feast in his presence. This is a great day for 95% of you to have a Sabbath. Most of you guys, this is a great day to have a Sabbath. Get, you, you come to church so may, I know but if you've, you've got to work out the details. I can't do that for you. Here's some principles. you've got to work out what that does. But hypothetically, you, you wake up, you have a really nice breakfast, like you really nice. and you maybe you do some exercise or something because you feel pretty groggy. Uh, and then you come to church and you celebrate God's goodness and we open His word and we feast on his word and we worship together and we're filled with joy as we see our children, our beautiful Mokapuna dancing and having a great time and as we and we come together and we just celebrate the richness of this community. And then you go home and you have just another big feed. Food's a big thing, you know, in the Bible. We've got to take that seriously. Another big feed or you go out to a beautiful cafe and then you go out with your family and you go for a bike or you go for a, you know, the arty people get arty and get creative. And what does that day look like where it's just a beauty? For um, extroverts, people need to be part of it. For introverts, you need some space and some time to go for a long walk by yourself. And here's the thing. I've wrestled with this, And I finally kind of got a pretty sweet Sabbath thing happening, and then I met Jen. (laughs) And then I had to work it all out again. How do you do it when you're you're dating someone? And then we got engaged, then we got married. And eventually, after a few years of marriage, we worked out what a healthy Sabbath looked like, because we need different things. So sometimes we're together for part of that Sabbath day, and for sometimes I need some space. I need to go for a walk. I need some cave. I need to process. And, all and she would go out and hang up the girls and talk about feelings or whatever, and, like, you know, <laughs> and probably their husbands. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we got it real sweet, man. I went for a surf, and then we had children. You know, and it's like, ah oh, man, so how the heck do you do Sabbath when you've got, you know, full time, you look after these guys full time? And they're not that phased about whether you're contemplating or resting or stopping. They, in fact, they quite like to drive you up the blinking wall half the time. So it's like, okay. So we had to wrestle with what does it look like in that age stage. And you've got to keep making the effort to enter in the rest of God. And you've got to keep sitting down with your significant other and say, what does it look like in this season for us to do Sabbath? If you do shift work, you've got to work it out. If it, and here's the lie the enemy wants you to believe, that your circumstances are so unique that you are the exception. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You are smarter than that, and you have the Holy Spirit who is with you. And He is, he's the outside influencing you, helping you walk the way of Jesus. So I don't know what it looks like for you. I can't tell you that. And, and religious leaders have tried to impose things on people all the time. Here's what you must do to keep God happy. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, here's what the Bible says. You therefore now go and live it. Work it out. Wrestle with it. Jesus said, those who hear my words and do it, they are the people building their house on the rock. You you hear my words and you don't do it, it's like shifting sand. And so this is the thing, you've got to work it out. And the difference between people that are stepping into more and more life are the people that are applying this to their lives we have believed a lie in our culture that says information equals transformation. And that is a lie. Information brings revelation, but it's application that brings transformation. So if you want your life to change, you're going to have to work out about how you apply this to your life, right? And And by the Spirit of God, He wants to help you work that out. But this isn't It's tough on one level because we're very broken. And sometimes we can be physiologically addicted to the high of just keeping on going. But eventually you will hit the wall and your soul will get so depleted, it's gonna be a long way back. But God by spirit will lead you there. But here's the thing, how about we don't get there to learn this tough lesson? How about we see what the scriptures are saying and say, I wanna apply this to my life now. And we're not talking about something lame like I'm not saying go into a cave and sit in something sharp and think about Jesus. I'm saying actually just stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. What a rich day. One day a week, a holy day, set apart for the Lord, where you fill your soul. And instead of resting from our work, that eventually we get to the point where we're so good at this, we're working from our rest where we can actually, there's a sense of just, it's carrying us and it's beautiful. Now, uh, you know, in my case, and, and for some of our guys that carry some big loads on a Sunday, it can't be a Sunday. I'm fried. Like, I'm an introvert. <laughs> uh, so by the time I get home, I'm like a shell of a man. Uh, and that's simply because I'm introverted. Now, I love what, oh, it's an unbelievable honor, but I can't Sabbath on a Sunday. It's one of my craziest days. So I've got to pick another day. For some of you guys of shift work or moving things, I don't know, you've got to work this out. But the Lord wants you to do it. I love what C.S. Lewis says. uh, Familiar quote probably for some of you, but I just so think he's on the money here. He says this, We're half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. We're like an ignorant child who who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We have been far too easily pleased in the church to be content with a busy, stressed out life that looks exactly the same as everyone else in our culture. But when you choose Jesus, you have stepped into the kingdom of God. And there is a kingdom pace. And there is a kingdom rhythm. And it is like a holiday at the sea compared to what we've been living It's more beautiful, more rich, more stunning. It is just the way we're wired to live because we're made in the image of the one who rested. And so God calls us into this beautiful life. Hebrews 4, as we come into land. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Interesting, eh? I I land, land with this. Again, a quote from Ruth Haley Barton. Sabbath keeping is the linchpin of a life lived in sync with the rhythms that God himself built into our world. And yet it is the discipline that seems hardest for us to live. Sabbath keeping honours the body's need for rest, the spirit's need for replenishment, and the soul's need to delight itself in God for God's own sake. I want to encourage us this morning to be a people that do their best to enter into this. I have a huge log sticking my eye on this. I'm a hypocrite in transition. I've been wrestling with it for years and me and Jen keep having to have the conversation about what this looks like. But I'm going to keep on fighting for this all the days of my life because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and His ways are just richer and more beautiful than the ways of our culture. And I want us to be a church that engages with this seriously. That we are a place of peace where we rebel against an identity that says our value is in what we produce. That we will be a place of peace because we know whose we are, and that we can rest in His presence. And that our identity is not tied up in all that other rubbish. It's tied up in the fact that we are a son and daughter of the Most High God, who has freed us from slavery, who rejoices over us with singing, and who wants us to delight ourselves in His good creation, to feast and to fill our souls with all the beauty and wonder that He's given us in this world, and that we wouldn't just be running past it all the time, but we'd be present to birds and lilies and craft beer and good wine and food and long walks and all that stuff and rugby games and all the stuff that that fills our soul from time to Time, Uh, come on, let's stand together and pray. Let's just drink it in this morning. Can you feel the power on it? Like it's like God so wants this here. He so wants it for us. Lord, thank you for your beautiful presence here. Thank you that in our hearts this morning there's a yes and amen because we can hear your voice calling us into these rhythms that bring so much life to us. Thank you that following Jesus isn't about just praying some prayer so that we know where we go when we die. It's about heaven coming to earth now. It's about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. It's about learning the ways of Jesus, learning from the one who said, come to me and rest. Take my set of expectations upon yourself because they're light and easy and you will find rest for your souls.